Welcome, and thank you for listening to the New Day Podcast. We are located in South Kansas City, proclaiming the good news of God's grace to our region and abroad. If you'd like more information, please visit our website, newdaykc.org. Well, I ended last week in this uh, looking at this passage of Scripture from Second Peter about what we're to add, and we started with we're going to we're going to add virtue or valor in our lives to our faith, and now uh, we went into the part of that to virtue or to valor. We add the knowledge of God, which to us is wisdom, and talked about wisdom. And I ended last week with talking about that wonderful survival program on History Channel called Alone and about a quote I had heard on there, which is so significant as I went through my own studies on this. And I want to say the quote to you again because it's going to lead into the last part of this knowledge wisdom part, which is this. One of the contestants or participants, I don't know if you really call them contestants, said this, now remember, they're going out in the wilderness, they're all alone, nobody else is with them, they have to film themselves during it, and they're given 10 things that they can take with them, but that's restrictive and everything, so they have to get food, shelter, and take care of themselves all alone, and they are in a, uh, you can can imagine, uh, it made me think a lot about our own national history and the settlers who would go into areas and just make it, you know, and getting through the pain and the turmoil and everything that they were facing. And uh, it's just amazing that we're here, isn't it? So this was the quote that one of them gave. Your bubble of awareness needs to be bigger than your bubble of disturbance. Disturbance doesn't have, you know, doesn't... uh, I think for all of us, it doesn't ever really stop in life. There's always something around to disturb your ethos, your atmosphere, whether it's little things that are, you can get over quickly or major things that you have to face in your life. The disturbances are always there. Jesus said, in this life, you will have tribulation. Now, you know, that's oh, geez, what hope is there? Jesus. He's with you in it. And then when we start value adding the knowledge of God to what we know to be as that which is of valor or virtue in our life, when we add the knowledge of God, wisdom starts flowing in us. So many, um, so many believers through the years that I've seen, I think it has to do with, I'm, I'm you know, I, I'm not a psychologist or anything. Some of it has to do with uh, a, a false humility. We don't want to say a bragging statement uh, about our own lives or about who we are or anything. And so we're, uh, we're afraid to make faith statements like, I have wisdom. You as a believer should have wisdom. Uh, An old Christian writer says, God takes no pleasure in fools. You know, even if they are believers, if they're foolish, he doesn't take pleasure in that. So part of the idea of that we have wisdom is it means that we're maturing. 
that we were, everybody longs to grow in God. Well, I am growing in God. So are you. If you're not, your bubble of awareness is not where it needs to be. Your bubble of awareness is not having the interjection of the knowledge of God into your life. I had to do a little exercise last week, and uh, I got feedback on that and how wonderful it was and everything. Uh, Another exercise that you can take with this, and uh, you can even use at home this week if you want, write down on a piece of paper the five major influences of your life right now. Like what, who, who, is, who are the people who are influencing me and who is the person? Now, all Christians say they have this aspirational thing in which Jesus Christ is the Lord of my life and he's the most important person in my life. Is he the most significant influence in your life? Thank you. (laughs) And I have no doubt in your life, Esther, that he is. Because that's a key. Because all of us have this aspirational thing on us in which we want to say, is Jesus the Lord of your life? Meaning, are you being obedient? Yes? That's what most people believe like that. Oh, Jesus is really Lord of their life. Meaning that you see a lot of obedience to, to God. But you see, God's not just looking for obedience. He is looking for obedience, but he doesn't demand obedience. He invites you into it. How do I become obedient in my heart through the knowledge of God being added to my faith and virtue? When the knowledge of God comes in, what he desires, what his longings are, what his idea is, what his thoughts are, Remember the scripture last week. We are given the mind of Christ. There was this commercial when I was uh, growing up, and especially when I was a teenager, and it was for the United Negro College Fund. And And the byline with the ad was always on TV. But it penetrated into my being even as a even as a young teenager. It says, um, and they always ended it with this: "A mind is a terrible thing to waste." I could still. I, it's just as clear. I mean, you know that that and a few quotes from John and and John Kennedy and and Bobby Kennedy just have stuck with me. You know, all my life they just penetrated into me, and it gave me a view in my immaturity, in my childness, that I didn't have to waste the mind I was given. As believers within the economy of God, we should never waste the mind of Christ that's been given to us. You don't, you don't have just your own mind. You have the mind of Christ within you, which to, to given to us is wisdom from God. The whole economy of God, how he operates within his kingdom, is based on wisdom. It has its wisdom principles, but godly wisdom. There are other wisdoms. We're going to look at it. So remember this. Uh, The awareness that you need to have 
actually isn't about, I need to watch the things around me. It's do this, go to the knowledge of God. Where are you going to find the knowledge of God? In his word. Is the first place. We have something afforded to us that the believers that this was, when, it, when this was written, very few believers had access to it. Um, had an interesting thing happen this week. I had to get the oil and filter in my truck changed. So I was over here at Moly Toyota and, and uh, was in the waiting room. And there were probably seven or eight guys sitting around getting their trucks worked on at the same time. And four of them were my age. Four of them were probably young men in their 20s to maybe mid-30s. The four old guys all had books they were reading. The four young guys were on phones. Now, is that a put down? No, but there is an issue of maturity in which where do we get our influence? Who is the influencer in your life? You have the access. Do I have to read the Bible every day? No, you don't. You don't ever have to read it again. But you're stupid if you don't. How's that blunt? It's foolishness. It's stupidity. Because the way you find the mind of Christ is to listen to the things that, listen to the Bible, the scriptures are inspired of God. That means they came from his thoughts, his mind, how he sees things. And when he becomes the major influencer in your life, you will grow up and your thoughts will change. The way you look at things will grow. And that's the promise in that passage of Second Peter at the end of it. It says, listen, you're going to grow and you're not going to stumble. You're not going to flounder. You're not going to crash on the beach. And the good news about this is this is the opposite of that program. You are never alone. You are never alone. That's God's thoughts about you. I will never leave you alone. I am with you always. So where do we get it? Here's James and what he has to say about this wisdom. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. Boy, that's so hard to do, isn't it? Have you ever tried to count it, count it all joy? Oh, man. I've added it up and this is not very joyful. You know, I'm happy. You know, uh, no, I'm not. Knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. But let patience, we're going to get to that in the coming weeks, have its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. This is a bold statement. When I mature, I lack nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom... Let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach. See, what it's really saying here is, when we go to God and ask him for wisdom, what he, how he sees something, he doesn't go, I don't, I don't know if you're worthy of the answer to that. Let me see. Uh, Dee Dee, what did you do last week? Let me measure that out. 
Peter, did you see anything that she was, how did she desert? It's not there at all. God says he gives liberally to anyone who asks. There's no measurement of whether you deserve it or not. It's, this knowledge is there all the time. Instead of the gut level, clench your teeth, I'm going to obey the Lord. Have relationship with him. Ask him stuff. Go to him and ask him. And then it's not me trying to obey, me going, oh, you've got an invitation and you're always there for me. I love this. Who gives to all liberally and without reproach and it will be given to him. It what? Will be given to him. But let him ask in faith. Now, that takes knowledge to understand how to ask. So right here, God's displaying the knowledge to bring wisdom into your life as he's saying, don't ask if you're going, yeah, it won't work. He's not going to talk to me. Why should he answer? You've already cut it off. Do you see the, the invitation that's there? But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for he who doubts is like the wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He's double-minded, unstable in all his ways. What does it mean to be double-minded? I think two different things about the same thing. What removes that? Knowing God, I know stuff. And I understand wisdom. And I'm not unstable. Have you ever felt, you don't have to raise your hand, have you ever felt unstable? <laughs> Woo! <laughs> Baby, if something doesn't change here, I'm falling, you know. It's... But the real promise of God is for me to grow in knowledge and wisdom that's from God, I get the mind of Christ, I don't have to be unstable. So I ask in faith, God, help me think the right way about this. He becomes, Jesus becomes, the primary influencer in your life. Not because you've said, I have to obey him or I get in trouble, but because I want to walk in wisdom because I have the mind of Christ. So I grow up. I mature. So what kind of stuff gets to us through this? This is later in James. It's one of my favorite passages. I've taught it to you a couple of years ago, I think. I go to it often. There's a whole lot in James that just irritates the snot out of me. There's stuff he says in there that I just go, why did you put that in there? I think it's in there and has been allowed by God to rub us in the places where we just pass off something as easy. You know? Show, show me your faith by your works. Wait a minute, I don't want to be a works person. Yet it's there. It's kind of an irritant, isn't it? It's so we grow in knowledge and wisdom, I believe, that it's there to make us look. Never pass over the difficult scriptures. 
Never pass over them. Embrace them. Look at them. I don't understand it. Exactly. So you can gain understanding by staying there and let it be that thing that begins to work in you. So James 3 says this, Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show by good conduct that his works are done in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your hearts, do not boast and lie against the truth. This wisdom does not descend from above, but is earthly, sensual, demonic. For where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion, now remember what he said earlier about being double-minded, confusion in every evil thing will be there. But the wisdom that is from above, he suddenly shifts and starts talking about the mind of Christ. The wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. Now the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. I, I watch Fox News. I don't watch it all the time. You shouldn't even be watching it at all. Yes, I, I, need, I, want, I need to know what's going on. Tucker, Tucker Carlson, anybody else see it, did an interview with Kanye West, a two-parter. Anybody see it? Oh, my gosh. Now, I'm not particularly a Kanye West fan. I know he can go off, and he seems to be emotional, and they portray him as being erratic. I don't think he's that at all. He started actually employing and talking about all this stuff that's in James. About where wisdom comes from. And about that the whole media, corporate media thing in America is ungodly. Demonic. He sees it. He knows this. Now, and many of you know, he's, he's been in pretty hot pursuit of God in the, in the last couple of years and has written some incredible worship songs. And he can say outlandish things. I'm not saying you should listen to everything that Kanye West has to say. He is a lightning rod, <laughs> you know, and of how he approaches things and and you're never really completely comfortable around him. I understand that. So I'm not, I'm not here just to praise him, but I'm saying, oh my gosh, in that interview, he started laying out this teaching from James, step by step. And listen, Kanye West is smart, you guys. He is brilliant. He's educated. His family was educated. And he sees and knows stuff and says it. And people say, well, he's arrogant. No. He's gotten some knowledge in there from God and wisdom. He knows stuff. And he starts saying it the way it is, and it's uncomfortable. James is uncomfortable with us, and especially this passage of Scripture. When you add the knowledge of God to your awareness bubble, it, your awareness becomes larger than the turmoil around you. 
And that's what he was talking about, that he, he said this. He said, I'd do it for an audience of one. I'm not doing it for anybody else. I'm doing it for God. He says, I don't care if you like me or don't like me. Now, whether that's completely true, I don't know. You have to evaluate that stuff yourself. But I just went, whew. You know, this, this guy's got some things to say. Lloyd, stop and listen to this. And it just grabbed my attention. When we add into our awareness the influence of God's wisdom, God's economy kicks in. Now remember what we've been saying about economy. It has, doesn't have to do with money. It's the operation of God's kingdom. When we do this, he sends grace and peace, all wrapped up in a big dose of wisdom that causes you to abound and keeps you from stumbling into bad decision making. Why is it so important that I'm wise? So that you in turn, with the influence of God, become an influencer. God doesn't want to just influence your life. God wants to influence your life in such a way that you influence other people. And that through you, the knowledge of God is spread around like a fragrance into the earth. Because the earth stinks of its own wisdom. Look, here's, let's look at these four wisdoms. The first three are this, earthly wisdom. It's not horrible. It's just as the things that we can know in the natural realm, they're seen and discerned in a natural way. Uh, what does that look like? I should know that if I go out here to I-435 West and stand in the middle of the highway, that there's probably a good chance I'm going to get hit by a car or a truck. That's called earthly wisdom. I can see what's going on. We also understand earthly wisdom. We can watch the crops grow. It's right there. It's the natural realm that we see and can be understood. So it has kind of a neutral aspect to it. It can be both good and bad. And he says there's sensual wisdom. That's the wisdom that's generated in our sense realm. Uh, but it's also sensual in this sense. When I say the word sensual, it means provocative. Um, stimulates an emotion in you or an emotional response. Um, it's seen and generated mostly by our soulish realm. Our mind, emotion, and will. Uh, it has a value to it, but be careful. Because if you're just led by sensual wisdom... Um, Quite honestly, I'm being blunt this morning, you'll become a flaky believer. When we see somebody who can't make decisions and they, they're just guided by every, Paul, Paul would have said, every wind and doctrine that comes along. That's where sensual wisdom comes in. Then there's demonic wisdom, and that's what Kanye West talked about. It's a wisdom that takes the truth and twists it. It's a wisdom that has its, its evil in its application and used for wicked schemes. It does have wisdom. It's where, honestly, it's where the idea of relativism was birthed out of. It takes all those other wisdoms, the earthly and the sensual, and wraps that up 
into questions that actually question God's being and authority in people's lives. You find it at work in the garden. There's such a, there's such a beautiful story there, but it's a hard story too. And the, the wicked, the demonic wisdom comes out, it always questions the truth of God. Did God really say and it's a, that's how you can always tell if it's demonic. Um, it takes things, well, what is love? What does love look like? If it looks like that, then this kind of love has to be okay for that. You follow me? It, it distorts it. It turns it, it. it turns it upside down. And it sounds... It sounds right and it's horrible. It's not right. It does not bear good fruit. Uh, those wisdoms all had their beginning in the garden. And you can, I encourage you to study it in Genesis 1 because it's there. It's so clear. It's just so clear. And uh, so much has been written about it. I won't take the time this morning. The wisdom that is from above, he describes to us here in James. This is the, the knowledge that you can add to your valor. He, he describes that wisdom in such a way it's, it's really powerful. So look at it again. This wisdom he says that it's from above is first pure. What does that mean? Well, it doesn't just mean without mixture. It means that wisdom doesn't have an ulterior motive or guile in it. If the wisdom of Pharaoh is pure, God has no intention of tricking you into thinking something one way or the other. He tells you straight up, it's a pure wisdom. It just goes, oh, it's like being able to be with Aslan. You know, from the lion, the witch, and the waru. Out of this lion that is a dangerous creature comes the most kind words you've ever heard. And it's always filled with truth, but it's dangerous. It's scary. You know, um, if you remember that story, Lucy asks the beavers, you know, is he dangerous? <laughs> or is he safe? Yeah, I'm sorry. Is he safe? No, he's not safe. He's he's good. He's Jesus is the wildest being that ever lived. The roar we talk about that when we sing songs. The roar of Jesus is scary. But I also found this most often, and I, I've done this a lot through the years. Believers have a tendency when things are going one way or the other. We have a tendency to think that we need the lion and we want him to roar. And often you get the lamb. Matter of fact, most often the way you think he should come to you, he doesn't do that. Because what you really need in his wisdom is the opposite. And so, uh, God, show me your... Train me through scourging so I'll be a better person. So I'll quit doing this. Yes. <laughs> I died for everything you do wrong. 
And then when you're trying to gloss it over and decide that what you did really wasn't so bad anyway, it hurt somebody. And I died for that. So we get this, this wisdom from God that is clean and pure. It's peaceable. It has God's peace in it. What does that mean? I don't doubt what he said in, in James 1. I don't doubt. I'm not double-minded. The peace of God comes in, and when the peace of God comes in, it's always accompanied with grace. Just like the scripture says grace and truth, you always see them hinged together. Look at the other word that's always hinged with grace. I give it to you almost every Sunday. Grace and peace to you from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Grace is always, uh, it's like an M&M. It's got this hard shell around it that's peace. Nothing can break it up. Nothing can penetrate it. But there's this, this grace that's there that's so tasty and helps you. And they work together in your life. It's gentle. It has within it, and this is what gentleness means, the kindness and goodness of God. When we talk about the gentleness of God, that's what's kind and good. It's willing to yield. That wisdom from God, the decision isn't forced or demanded. Have you ever been talking to somebody and you knew what they were saying was really stupid and foolish? But you knew that to tell them that was the most hurtful thing that could happen at that point in time. So you're willing to yield and you don't force it. There's a wonderful book by John Lynch called Bo's Cafe. I would encourage anybody to read it about how to walk through life with other people that are going through life. And how, how you stay a grace person in your heart and you don't force godliness on somebody, but you allow God to take them through the journey. And that's what this willing to yield means. Because it goes then to the next thing, it's full of mercy. The heavenly wisdom is always full of mercy. Our first thoughts is to the desire to see good for all. And it isn't based in judgmentalism, whether they deserve it or not. I would dare say that much of our land does not deserve the mercy of God. Thank God it's not based on what they deserve. We need mercy. It's full of it. And without partiality. The decision doesn't favor someone over another is more deserving of it. The wisdom that is shrouded is there for everybody. Without hypocrisy. What does that mean? It doesn't demand what I couldn't do or require of myself. Ooh. That kind of wisdom when you're going through relational struggle, ooh, that's the one that that's the one that sandpapers your maturity so that you shine. It just oh yeah. I get that kind of wisdom for this. This very reason. When Jesus is our primary influencers and we are if we're designed by God, like we're looking at, to walk in this wisdom, each of us are, 
The question begins, how much are you in touch with it? So when he says, add to your valor knowledge, so here's the question. How do you know Jesus is your influencer? Not, not the issue of, is Jesus the Lord of your life? Do you run your decisions through your relationship with God? Just a question. Not, not a slap. A, a question of sincerity. Because as I went through this, I went, man, my life has changed because it quit being the issue of whether I was obeying or not. And, and it became a wisdom issue. What should I do here? And so he became the influence, the voice of influence in my life. And he was able to confirm decisions I was making. And the more I knew his word, the more I knew how to make wise decisions. Jesus designed it to become wisdom for us. He is supposed to be our primary source of wisdom in our lives. So if that's the primary source, then that means he can become the primary influencer. you got to go to the source. Look at this passage from 1 Corinthians 1. God has chosen the foolish things of this world to put... By the way, I've heard disastrous sermons on this. God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise, and God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things which are mighty, and the base things of the world, and the things which are despised, God has chosen the things which are not to bring to nothing the things that are. Think about our own land today. But no flesh should glory in his presence, but of him you are in Christ Jesus who became for us wisdom from God. Jesus, if he's the Lord of your life, has become for you wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption so that it is written that he who glories, let him glory in the Lord. If you really want to glory in the Lord, let him become your wisdom. Let him become, add it, it within the economy of God. When you add the knowledge of God, when you know who's inside of you. It's why I stress so often, because we sing so many songs of symbolism about a room and the... the you know, the house of the Lord and these kind of symbolic things, but actually, I'm the house of God. That's why I emphasize it to you all the time, because if you are the house of God, that means he made you his dwelling place. This should stun every believer to seek it out in every day. He's come to make home with me. He's comfortable with it. Is he comfortable with every decision I make? Yeah, I think he's getting pretty comfortable with me because I got comfortable with him being there and started asking him. It makes a difference. Instead of going to action, immediately go to the Lord. Before you do something out of reactiveness, respond to God who dwells within you. He's right there, and it's wisdom for us. 
This is amazing. This is stunning. We keep looking for something that he's already done. We ask him to give us something that's already accessible. How come it doesn't happen? Most often our receivers are really messed up. It gets all mixed up with the disturbance. Remember the bubble, the disturbance that's going around us. And so the disturbance, this is the demonic wisdom, wants us to look at the disturbance. It wants us to see the turmoil around us more than we see the Jesus who saves us. I can immediately run to Jesus. There's nothing that stops you from doing that. Nothing. There's nothing in this life that can separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Got to remember, read Romans 8 to yourself regularly. Nothing. No turmoil. Do we have tribulation in your life? You bet we do. But I also have the wisdom of God living in me. <gasps> Changes my approach to how I respond to it. You were designed to have a different approach. I want to close with, uh, yeah, I'll even put it up there. Because this means something so different to me today. These used to be, I, I mean, it, was, it seemed like in the charismatic church about every three months somebody got up and quoted Isaiah 40. You know, and uh, there's nothing wrong with that. I'm not putting it down. But I, what I'm saying is I see this so differently today than how I used to. And I think it's because the wisdom of God started to penetrate in. The more I received of him, the more wisdom I got. So Isaiah, as the voice of the prophet, cries out in Isaiah 40, Have you not known... Have you not heard the everlasting God, the Lord, the creator of the ends of the earth, neither faints nor is weary? Your disturbances haven't worn him out, even if you created them. Amazing. His understanding is unsearchable, yet he invites us to know him. Unbelievable. I don't think I know what that word means, right? He gives power to the weak. And to those who have no might, he increases strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fall. But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. Man, the wisdom of God starts to flow into my life. When that wisdom starts coming in and it's added to, I've made virtuous decisions, I am a person of valor, I've added to my faith courage to be a person of honor. And I add the wisdom of God into that. What can shake that up? Nothing. What can take it from you? Nothing. What can steal it from you? Nothing. What demonic wisdom can bring down God's truth? Nothing.
Not one bit of his wisdom. What if they assail you for it? Now you move from that into another realm, which is God knows. In Isaiah, have you not known? Have you not heard? When this world tries to wear you out, (laughs) he gives power to the weak. And those who have no might, he gives strength. He will. He has. Receive it. We're not very good at receiving. Receive it. Not at your best of times, at your worst of times. When you're at your worst, read this scripture to yourself and receive it. It's the wisdom of God coming to us. Amen. Let me pray. God, become the main influencer in our daily lives, in our thoughts and our prayers, in the way we deal with ourselves and with others, over our stronghold issues and our misgivings and interruptions and disturbances in life. Increase the bubble of awareness of you. You're here. You're here inside of us. You're not the God of distance and delay. You're the God of the now, right now. Now faith is. Our arms wrap around that. They wrap around you. And we give this weak cry, help Lord. And your response is, I will answer. I will show my strength. They will mount up. You will cause us to mount up with wings like eagles. Lord, this morning for each of us, whatever disturbances have created weariness in our lives, come as the wind of heaven, some wisdom of heaven, and blow it out of the way. Let our eyes see clearly. Let our Wisdom from you grow daily and help us to respond to what you're saying in Jesus' name.